Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon's Cabin in the Woods opens today. It is a twisty, turny, spoilery horror filled with all sorts of mind-bending revelations. So when we had Drew Goddard in here recently, we decided not to tiptoe around the film, but to actually confront the movie's third-act spoilers. And we present them to you now in this very, very special one-off Empire Spoiler Cabin in the Woods podcast. Enjoy. I know it was originally Joss's idea. Right. But where did it come from? Where was the gestation point for this? Yeah, I mean, it really was. We just love we love horror movies, and we wanted to make the ultimate horror movie. We wanted for us like the best horror movie we knew how to make, and that was that was our goal to, to sort of pack as much in as we possibly could. And it really came from this place of love, where we just sat down and said, "All right, if we could make anything we wanted to, what would we do?" Mm. We didn't develop the movie for a studio. It wasn't like you know, it's not like a book that someone purchased. We just <laughs> we just wrote what we wanted to see, and I feel like the movie sort of benefited from that freedom. When I was watching the film, there's that scene where they're taking bets, they're doing their kind of, was it a pool? It's called a pool, isn't it? Of what monsters it will be. Right. That whole board, I wanted to pause the film and look at each one. (laughs) And I almost wanted there to be a kind of a remake where someone picks another one. Right. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like Clue. Remember that movie when they (laughs) got to do the three different endings? That would be (laughs) something that would be delightful to see how that happened. Was the Redneck Zombie, let me get this right, the Redneck Zombie torture family always going to be your idea? Yeah, we we definitely wanted, because this movie goes so insane, Mm. we wanted to feel familiar early and certainly that that's that's something that's very much we're seeing a lot of zombies we're seeing a lot of that and sort of the torture side we want to sort of get the early bad guys to feel like you know the audience goes okay i know what i've seen i've I've seen this because if we started too crazy Mm. then i think we would lose the audience i think it was important to sort of no merman too early yeah you know that's look it's a classic screenwriting rule (laughs) save the merman for the third (laughs) act but you know like you want you want to build to these things and so that's why we went with the buckners early I haven't seen a film go so nuts in the third act for a long time. I just I wasn't ready for it. I was right. pinned against my seat. Can you talk about the monsters coming out with the monsters? It looks like you had a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely... Somebody asked me, you know, if, did you have to do a lot of research? And we were like, absolutely not. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't do any research. We just sort of wrote... You know, this was a dream come true. It was like that, that when you're 12 and you can... You're like, well, let's just draw monsters all day. Like, that's <laughs> what this movie was. It was like, how can we pack everything in? And so, honestly, I just sat down with lists and, and artists. And, look, this was, an, this was a storyboard artist's dream because I could say to them, whatever monster you want to draw, just draw it. I, I'll, I'll put it in the movie. You know, whatever creature you want to create, let, just just come up with it. And I, I, I've got a way to work it into this film. And so, uh, so it was fun. I mean, it definitely... It, uh, there were days where I was like, I can't believe we're getting paid to do this because this is what we would do in our spare time. And I believe there's a bit of a Hellraiser uh, reference. Certainly, you know, uh, uh, Pinhead is one of my all-time favorite monsters, and we definitely wanted to tip our hat to him. Did you ever worry you might be going too far? No, no, <laughs> never once. Because <laughs> the whole movie felt too far. I mean, the whole movie was like, <laughs> once they said yes. Mm. We were all looking at each other like, uh-oh. <laughs> I, did, did they actually know what we're doing? And and they all seemed on board. And so it, 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 we never worried about it because there's not a there's not a tame version of this movie. No, not at all. No. You know, like it, there, it just doesn't exist. So you couldn't do I couldn't pull it back. So it's sort of like set the controls and steer for the center of the sun. You're just you <laughs> that's what you've got to do, you know. At the ending, right? You have the fool and the virgin together. And they somehow come to the conclusion that it would be a better idea for the whole of the world to be destroyed than one of them to die. 
are you proud that you made a movie where literally a horror movie where literally everyone dies <laughs> <laughs> i am proud to answer your question yes uh, you know certainly this is this movie ends exactly the way we wanted it to. <laughs> <laughs> total destruction absolutely and where did you get the idea of them being kind of different character tropes was that a kind of you know did you take that from horror movie tropes or did you take that from you know some kind of book I haven't read yet. Well, certainly, you know, it started with horror movies, but then as as we were exploring the idea and thinking about this, we started noticing that the 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 need to marginalize youth and mm. compartmentalize them, we sort of put them on a pedestal and then we destroy them. You know, that was something that happens in horror movies all the time. But then we started noticing that that's not just limited to horror movies. That's what society does. Mm. It's what and and then and so it became a very much about where we are. But then as we explored it even further, we realized this has been happening since the beginning of time. We've uh, you know we've been doing this. There's something that happens to humans as they get older, where they feel the need to objectify the young mm. and 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 put them you know in and make them into something they're not and then destroy them and sometimes destroying them is throwing them into volcanoes and killing them sometimes destroying them is just marginalizing them and saying what you're thinking about doesn't matter and it's not important and you're not important but those were the themes that were very much you know the inspiration for this movie and and that's why you know as as the movie goes it becomes less about the horror movie and more about who we are as people I'm not sure if you've seen The Hunger Games yet, but it, it struck me when watching that that this would make a good double bill. I know. I, I just saw The Hunger Games just the other night, and uh, I was surprised. I, I was happy that we were at Lionsgate because we're both coming out of there, and it felt it felt like we we, uh, we are exploring similar subject matter. Is there any other film that you would pair up with Cabin in the Woods for a double bill? <laughs> well, the nice thing about Cabin is that I feel like any horror movie it makes a good double bill with. So whatever, <laughs> like you know, like whatever horror movie you want to put first, you know, like you could put us second, and, and we will we will match up. You know, if I had to make the ultimate one, I guess I would put Evil Dead Two, put Evil Dead Two and Cabin in the Woods on there, and, and you're gonna have a good time. And it has to be asked, Merman spinoff. <laughs> I hope so. That'd be great. I want to see that. Prequel. <laughs> you and me both. That would be pretty good. With Scorny Weaver right. turning up at the end, do you feel a little bit jealous of Paul getting there first? It's funny. I, I haven't seen Paul, but someone else asked me that. But I know that we made this movie first. Mm. For, for what that's worth. True, yeah. <laughs> so, but I haven't seen Paul, so I, you know, look, Sigourney, Sigourney, she's wonderful. Other people are going to use her as well. <laughs> no worries. I know that people are kind of nagging you about Cloverfield 2. Right. A lot. Um, and it's got to get you, I guess, JJ, um, Josh, in the room together. Probably sit down and, and kind of nuss out the idea, I guess. Right, We've yeah. Got you in the room. We're going to invite the other yeah, two. We're gonna, you can get them in here. That would be nice. The door. Well, yeah, you know, the, the truth is, none of us want to make a, a sequel just for the sake of mm. making a sequel. It's not. It was never. If if we can do what we did with the first one, which is find a, a fresh new way to do it, something that feels exciting to all of us, then we'll do it. But we don't. We, luckily, and that's the nice thing about having JJ in your corner as an 800-pound gorilla, he can say to the studio, well, no, we're not going to make it unless we really are excited about it. Just two words, giant merman. Giant merman <laughs> sounds pretty good. <laughs> I, was just, I was just asking really specifically because I guess the found footage genre is kind of, I guess the dynamic of the landscape has changed a bit. We saw Chronicle we this year, which I thought was fantastic, which I obviously owe quite a, you know, a lot to, to your story. Does, would that affect the way that you... Do you think about the story that you're trying to create for a sequel? I mean, if it happens. maybe it's it's funny. I've, I've sort of learned not to worry too much about what's what's in or what's out or what the fads are or reacting to what's going on. I, I find if you just tell the best story, it, it tends to work out better for yeah. you. So we, we'll just see where we are, you know. Um, 
there's there's some wonderful found footage and there's some bad ones that have sort of come since then and and I don't really worry about it too much. Sure, sure. 